0: In Mark chapter 1, we begin reading with verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, one of my favorite books, first chapter starting with verse 3, Paul writes this, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. I don't know about you, but boy, I tell you, it feels like a year since last Sunday. Uh, It's been a very, very long week, and in in many ways, I I think a a personally challenging week. It's been good to have time to rest and uh, relax and reflect, and and hadn't realized how exactly, how worn out I I really was uh, from the year, Uh, but also just a a challenging week as well, uh, thinking about the future and what God might do and, and, and feeling like, you know, can I, can I go on? Can I take the next step? I mean, maybe you've never had a week like that. Uh, but, but I've had that kind of a challenge. And it's been important for me, as I've gone through some of these challenging times, uh, not only in the last week or so, but actually in the last 18 months, uh, it's been very, very important for me to remember the promise, to remember that the time is fulfilled. And that's what we've been talking about the last number of weeks, uh, how God just spoke back in October. And as you know, we have been praying for a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We've been believing that God is going to pour out His Holy Spirit in a way that perhaps is greater than any time since Pentecost. We have been looking forward to what God is going to do and how God is going to activate his people and how God is going to bring many, many people, hundreds and thousands of people into the kingdom here in Europe, like he's been doing it all around the world uh, for the last qu- quite a number of years. And so we've been looking at this, we've been believing for this, and we really felt like the Lord spoke to us in October and said, okay, now the time is fulfilled. The, the The fullness of time has come upon us, and we've been looking at this in fact, Jesus declares this today, and even Paul declares this talks about the fullness of time, and the fullness of time the idea is that of say a pregnant woman who has gone through the the, the nine months of pregnancy the the day of birth has arrived, and yet No doctor can predict exactly what day the baby's going to come out unless the doctor's doing a C-section. But we're not talking about C-sections here. We're talking about natural birth. And, And so nobody can predict when that baby's going to be born. You can say the time is right. The baby is ready to be born. The baby could be born healthy right now. Everything could go well if the baby was born now. But we don't know when the baby is going to be born. We just know that the baby's gonna come and that the time is full, the time is ready. And that same kind of idea is behind both what Jesus said and what Paul said in the passages we read today. The time is full. That's interesting, the word time here is, you know, in Greek, there's different words for time. And this word is kairos, which means the time of opportunity, not the time of chronology. It doesn't mean it's noon. It means that the opportunity is at hand. And the fullness, the fulfilled, that's the same kind of concept as we get being full of the Holy Spirit. Same same word is being used. So the time is full. Uh, We say often in English, the time is ripe for something to happen. It's the same kind of concept. There is a fullness of time that we are living in right now and uh, I, I don't know this from personal experience, obviously, since I've never been pregnant and had a baby myself. But uh, having talked to many, many women uh, over the last uh, 30 years of ministry uh, who have been pregnant, who have been ready to give birth, there comes a, a point in time in that pregnancy where they're like, Get out of my body, child! Be born! You know, there's just this desire for the baby to just get into the world and be born, and and for for things to be over, uh, and that's kind of the 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 time, the season that we're living in right now. And certainly, that's kind of how I'm feeling a lot in my own life. And I'm just ready for this fullness of time to come to pass. But there are a number of things that are going to be happening in the fullness of time, and we've been talking about those. And today. The thing that we're going to talk about, in the fullness of time, it is time for the kingdom of God to be manifested. It is time for the kingdom of God to be revealed afresh and anew. It is time, in this fullness of time, for the kingdom of God. Now, many times we don't understand this concept, kingdom of God. And you talk to people, and even people who have been around in ministry for many, many years, they don't really get what is being proclaimed and what is happening with the kingdom of God. And so that's what we want to look at when we say the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What do we mean? What are we saying? And what are the conditions? What is happening around that? And obviously, there's no better example to look at than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said that, you know, nobody is above his master, right? No slave is above his master. So the things that Jesus went through, we are going to go through. The patterns in Jesus' life, we will experience in our lives. Not always in the same way, but those patterns will be repeated. And the same is true when we're looking at the fullness of time and we're expecting the kingdom of God to be here at hand uh, the same kind of pattern is going to be repeated. And what was that pattern? Well, you notice now Jesus had lived his life. He lived a sinless life because he was, you know, he, he the Spirit of God was in him. Uh, he was God incarnate, the Word made flesh. But he lived his life as one of us. And he lived a sinless life. And it came point, to a point in time where John's baptizing in the wilderness and Jesus goes in obedience to his father, he goes out into the wilderness with John to be baptized as well. Before this time, Jesus didn't do any miracles. Uh, a lot of times there's legends around the early life of Jesus. If you've ever watched the film, for example, The Passion of the Christ it looks like Jesus does some miracles as a child, as a baby, but the Bible doesn 't record that. The reason the bible doesn 't record it is that it didn 't happen. Jesus for all intents and purposes, would have seemed like a fairly normal human being up until the time of his baptism. He would have been exactly like one of us except without sin, uh, and so it came he followed his, he listened to his father. it was a time. He went out into the wilderness. He was baptized. And then the first thing we see in this pattern of Jesus is that the Spirit of God comes upon him. Now you might say, well, wait, wasn't he God incarnate? You know, wasn't the Spirit of God already with him? And certainly the Spirit of God was already with him, but the Spirit of God comes upon him in this moment to empower him to do the ministry that God, his Father, had set out for him. Because Jesus had to do his ministry in the same way that we would do ministry. Otherwise, his life makes no sense as an example for us. And so the Spirit of God comes upon him to empower him to do what God wants him to do. And we need this as well. Just as our Lord and Savior Jesus needed the Spirit of God to come upon him to empower him, we need the Spirit of God to come upon us to empower us. This is one of the reasons why we're praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, well, okay, didn't the Spirit of God come upon us when we became Christians. And yes, we, the Spirit of God came inside of us. He transformed us. He also came upon us to empower us. But as we see throughout the New Testament, the disciples needed these repeated infillings of the Spirit of God. And the reason why is unlike Jesus, Jesus never sinned. And so the Spirit of God, once he came upon Jesus, never left him. But as someone has once said, we leak because of our sins. And so we need the Spirit of God to continually fill us and we need to be looking for the Spirit of God to come inside of us to conform our character to that of Jesus so that we will walk in the way that Jesus walked and have the same kind of pronouncement that the Father gave to Jesus, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And God the Father wants to say that to us, men and women, he wants to give us that blessing And so we need the Spirit of God to come within us. We also need the Spirit of God to come upon us to empower us to do everything that God has for us to do. And this is why we're crying out to God now for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we also need the Holy Spirit to come and continually empower us. I hope that makes sense. Because that's what happened with Jesus. And so we're crying out for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because I know that these 8 million or so people within 15 miles of us, guess what? I can't save a single one of them. And for most of them, I have no idea what to tell them other than Jesus died on the cross for you, rose from the dead for you, he loved you very much, come follow him. But unless the Spirit of God is working inside of them to draw them to Jesus, everything that I say will fall on deaf ears. I've seen it too many times before. There are a lot of sick people around. And I want to see these sick people healed. And I believe God wants to see them healed. But guess what? I can't heal a single person. But God can. And he can use me to do that. There are a lot of people that are struggling with demons. They're wrestling with this. And they need to be set free. But it's Christ that sets them free. And so we need the Spirit of God to come upon us because we cannot live for God. We cannot go forward in the way God requires. We cannot make any difference at all here in London without the Spirit of God. And that's why the Spirit of God came upon Jesus to empower him to do that ministry. And the Spirit of God needs to come upon us and come upon us and come upon us and continually come to empower us to revive the church to do what he needs to do. And so that was the first thing. But there's another thing then that happens with Jesus. After the Spirit of God comes upon him, after the promise is given to him, what's the first thing that happens? He doesn't go immediately to Jerusalem. He doesn't die on the cross immediately. He doesn't immediately go out and start healing sick people. The first thing he does was go into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tested. And that testing is probably a better rendition of that word. Now The other, uh, Matthew and Luke, they record three particular temptations or testings that Jesus faced in the wilderness. I don't think that it was just three. I think the three were representative because here in Mark, it says, and Mark was probably the first of the Gospels written. Here in Mark, it says that Jesus went out and he faced many temptations. He faced many testings. Satan tested him there was a struggle. The wilderness was not an easy place. The wilderness was not a place where you went and and you had a nice holiday looking at the pyramids. You know, the wilderness was a place of deep struggle. Uh, Now, in those days, the wilderness was a desert. I I really believe today some of the, the biggest wildernesses in the world are cities, because many of the dry, much of the dryness and the difficulty and the loneliness and the isolation that people felt in the wilderness people feel today in the cities. But it doesn't matter. It was a wilderness place. It was a place of difficulty. It was a place of testing. It was a place of temptation. It was a place where you didn't have everything you wanted, a place of deprivation. He, he fasted for 40 days. And 40 nights, we know. It was also a place where there were wild animals. So there was a lot of things around you that could make you afraid. And so Jesus had to go into this place of testing for an extended period of time. In the same way, we will always go through a season of testing. So many times we do a disservice to Christians by telling them, hey, you come to Jesus, you have life eternal and everything works out. You know, sometimes the life of a Christian doesn't work out like we think it will. Always will work out according to the glory of Christ and always will work out in the world to come. But it doesn't always work out in this this world. Sometimes Christians don't have happy endings in this world. Sometimes you get your head cut off. Sometimes you're crucified upside down. Sometimes you're crucified right side up. Sometimes you're boiled in oil. Sometimes very, very dark, difficult things happen to us and we must not be surprised when they happen to us. How many times have you seen somebody get offended because something difficult happened, something dark happened to them and they said, well, you know, God must not love me or if this is what Christianity is all about, I'm going to walk away. Haven't they looked at the cross of Christ? And Jesus, who said, if you want to come after me, hey, take up your cross, take up your difficulty, take up your suffering, take up your challenges, your testing, and come and follow me. I don't think any Christian is worth their salt until they've been tested in the wilderness time. And so it's not been surprising to me that in my own life, the last 18 months have been some of the most difficult 18 months that I've ever faced. And I've gone through some pretty difficult times. That's been a very, very draining and emotionally challenging time. And, and even this last year, as you know, our house has been in upheaval with, with the construction work going on and they're still not finished. Uh, the church has been in upheaval because we've been anticipating construction work that was going to happen that hasn't quite uh, materialized yet uh, personally personally. Uh, there's different things that have been happening in my own personal life. Uh, and so there's just all kinds of upset and unsettledness. And most of the time, we can handle one of these areas. But when you get several different areas converging all at the same time, it's rather unpleasant. But why should that be surprising to us? Because Jesus went through the testing. He went through the wilderness. And we're going to go through testing. We're going to go through wilderness just as he went through the wilderness, so that we can actually come out on the other side ready to do what Jesus did. And so after his time of testing and after being filled again with the Holy Spirit, and by the way, those all, they don't always come in that order. Sometimes you go through a long time of testing before the filling of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you get filled with the Holy Spirit and then go through the testing. Uh, It can happen in any kind of order. Finally, though, Jesus then, after that, he came back out of the wilderness, and that's when he could say, The time was fulfilled. The time is ready. The time is ready. So, what did Jesus proclaim? He proclaimed the kingdom. And then he said, repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. Many times we reduce the good news of Jesus to the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could get into heaven. And if we reduce the gospel to that, we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus. We're preaching a gospel just of salvation Getting, getting, you know, getting your, I I call it a gospel of fire insurance. You know, it's a gospel that keeps you from burning. Now, let me tell you, that's good. You know, if if it was just the gospel of fire insurance, I'd buy it. You know, I'd go, I'd receive it. Uh, I don't want to go to hell. Uh, uh, Anybody here want to go to hell? No, no, you know, taking votes. I've never found somebody in 30 years that wants to go to hell, but, you know, we, we don't, you know. So even if it was that, it was that. But it's more than that. So what does Jesus say here? He says, hey, the time is full. It's, the opportunity is here right now. It's with us. This is what Paul was saying in the fullness of time as well. The kingdom of God is at hand. This means that the kingdom is here. The kingdom is with us. The kingdom is not something we're looking for out there, but as the kingdom of God has come near to us, it is here with us now. And what is this kingdom? Well, that's where, that's where Paul helps us out a little bit to understand. A short way to understand the kingdom is to think of it as the loving, active rulership of God in the lives of people and in this world. It's the loving, active rulership of God of God. The idea of kingdom is not something that's static. It's not a place you go like the united kingdom. Kingdom is something that is active, something that is happening. It is where God is engaged in his activity of rulership out of his love in the lives of people for the blessing of the world. And this kingdom, Jesus said, in him was at hand. When Jesus was declaring this, He was saying in Himself, He is the King, and now that He has come near, the Kingdom has come near. And He's proclaiming this rulership of God, and not only then did He proclaim it, He also demonstrated it. And He demonstrated it by proclaiming the good news, then healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the blind, uh, feeding the 5,000, all these kinds of things that Jesus did he was demonstrating the proclamation of the loving rulership of God that was at hand for us. And so this is the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. And God's plan in this kingdom, according to Paul, is to unite everything in heaven and on earth in Jesus. Jesus. So God was intending to reconcile all of that that had been lost through evil and sin and brokenness in the world and bring it together in Jesus so that in the man Jesus Christ, earth and heaven comes together. The rulership of God that is happening in heaven comes to earth in a very real dynamic way. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so all of this comes together in Jesus and this is God's plan. And God's plan then is through the man Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, living that sinless life, walking amongst people, then dying on the cross and rising from the dead, defeating the power of sin, death, and hell once and for all, demonstrating the righteousness of God and the loving rulership of God and then ascending into heaven and one day coming again to redeem the whole earth but we're living in this in-between time, but it's still a kingdom time that we're living in. And so Jesus is bringing together earth and heaven. Now where do we come into this? And where does our salvation come into this? It comes in because what God wants to do in us is to replicate Jesus in us. He became like us so that we could become like Him. Remember, as the writer to the Hebrews tells us, He wants to replicate Jesus in us so that we live the life of Jesus, not individually, but corporately as the body of Christ. That is why we are the body of Christ. And so Paul spends the time, before he declares the fullness of time, reconciling the earth to God, bringing all things together in Jesus, things in heaven, things on earth, to talk about us. What is it about us? Well, we have been predestined to be adopted as sons. We have been declared righteous. Jesus has died on the cross for us. He's forgiven our sins. All the things that Paul mentions there preceding uh, verse 10 in, in Ephesians chapter 1, all of those things are true for us now because of Jesus Christ. And because of what he's done. So the kingdom of God is God's loving and active rulership in the world today through his son Jesus Christ who is the king replicated in us as the body of Christ moving forward in the world to extend the loving rulership in the world even imperfectly until that time when Jesus Christ comes again and the whole world then comes under his dominion as king. And that's the plan And that's why God has called us and that's why God has chosen us. If you think of your life as in Christ just for your fire insurance, you miss the total plan of God. The total plan of God is that we will live our lives on the earth Corporately and individually, as Jesus lived His life on the earth, extending His loving rulership as genuine representatives of Jesus Christ, and even more, dare I say, as we said last Sunday, as sons of God. Jesus, the only begotten Son, came so that we might become the many adopted sons. And that's his plan. Men and women, we're both sons. We're all sons. And that's what God did. And in this fullness of time, every time that God pours out his spirit, and every time he's poured out his spirit throughout history, the purpose is to begin yet again to refresh this plan of uniting all things in heaven and earth in Jesus Christ using the body of Christ on the earth to extend that loving rulership. He refreshes us in our mission. And so we go out and we do all the things that Jesus did, and even greater things, because we have the Holy Spirit of God living upon us. And that's what God wants to accomplish in this fullness of time. The kingdom of ha- heaven is at hand. And by the way, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, it's the same thing. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is at hand. And then, But there's a call. It's just like, if you want to join a kingdom, I, I, we've moved here to the UK, obviously we've been here for 16 years. Uh, one of these days... I plan on applying for UK citizenship. Uh, it's just taking that test, you know. And the test is, you know, it's multiple guests. So, you know, it should be, you got a good chance of getting through it, okay. Uh, but, you know, it's just taking the test and doing all those things that you got to do, right? Uh, and, and sometimes you, you just kind of delay because, you know, I don't have to do it, but I've thought about doing it. And, and, and so I've, I've kind of lived on the, on the boundaries here because I pay my taxes, You know, I I paid my taxes, but I can't vote. Uh, When I first moved here, you couldn't be a citizen of the United States and a citizen of another country. It was against the law in the United States. So if you joined one kingdom, you were abandoning the kingdom of the United States. And so I decided I didn't really want to do that. But then the U.S. changed its mind back about 2005, And so since then, I've certainly been eligible in many respects. Karen and I have been eligible. We've certainly discussed it. I've advised a lot of people to do it, and almost everybody that I've advised to do it has become citizens, Uh, which is kind of silly, you know, that I've advised so many people to do it. They've all done it, but I haven't done it yet, and the price just keeps going up. I mean, what what is that? I mean, how how smart is that? I don't know. It's, It's a bit of a challenge. So, you know, I'm just kind of... I, I'm kind of on the, on the edge here. But frankly, I, I need to make up my mind, right? I need to decide. There's an opportunity that I have. There's an offer that's there. But I need to respond. And the same is what Jesus was saying. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So how do you become part of this kingdom? Obviously, you become... Part of it, not by anything that you do, by the way, because we're saved by grace through faith. And even the faith is a gift of God so that nobody can boast. It's God's grace working in us. It's God's spirit drawing us to his son, Jesus, always there. But that doesn't absolve us of responsibility. Those two things are not mutually exclusive in the kingdom of God. And so what does Jesus say? If you want to receive what he's done, if you want to be part of this kingdom, You have to repent and believe. You have to repent and believe the good news. Repent means that you need to turn around, you need to change your mind, you need to go in a different direction. And a lot of times, you know, there are a lot of people that treat Christianity like I treat possible citizenship in the United Kingdom. They could receive it, everything has been done. Everything has been accomplished so that they could receive that, that great blessing of citizenship. You know, I also want to do it while there's a, a queen on the throne that I could easily pledge allegiance to. Uh, that, that gets more difficult as time goes on, obviously. You know, and, and so, but there are a lot of people, you know they, know, they know the king in the kingdom. They know what they need to do, but they never do it. And repentance means that you change your mind, you're going in a different direction, and they're like walking in this direction, saying, well, you know, I really should go over there. That really looks nice over there. But, you know, if you keep walking in the opposite direction, you'll never get to where you think is looking good and thinking nice. And so repentance is, okay, I'm going to turn, I'm going to change, I'm going to do things differently, I'm going to go in a different direction with my life. Repentance means that you come under, under an allegiance, because if indeed... You are wanting to become part of a kingdom. You cannot come become part of that kingdom without acknowledging the king. I do know enough about UK citizenship to know that if I decided, well, I don't like Queen Elizabeth. In fact, I'm not going to acknowledge her as the queen. Actually, I'm an ardent Republican, and, uh, and so forget this royal stuff. I'm not going to do it. I guarantee you, I won't become a citizen of the United Kingdom. Because you gotta acknowledge the king the queen, the reigning monarch. In the same way, you have to acknowledge that Jesus is the king and reorient your life to his kingship over you. And to say Jesus is king, it doesn't give you the right to say, Well, I'll take some of the things that you say as king, but not everything that you say as king. To say no Lord is an oxymoron, it's a contradiction of terms. And so we have to repent, and we have to keep on repenting, by the way, because so often we continually, even as Christians, orient our lives in a different direction. And then Jesus said the other thing you have to do is believe the good news. You need to have faith that what Jesus said is true, and that the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand, He's with us right now, you have to believe that that is a reality, no matter what's going on in your life, and no matter how you feel. You have to believe that that is a reality, no matter how deep the struggle is, and how long the struggle goes on. You have to believe, you choose to believe, to have faith in the reality that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the one who died and the one who rose from the dead in victory over sin, death, and hell. And I will believe him and I will follow him and I will trust him and I will believe what he told me. I will believe what he said. I will believe his plans. I will believe his purpose. I will believe his king no matter what it costs me, no matter the struggle I go through, no matter how dark things seem to be for me, I choose to believe. And the great news in all of this is even as we do these things, we don't do them alone. It's not by our own strength. Even Jesus, we often miss this. What happened with Jesus in the wilderness? One of the things that we often miss is what Mark says here. He was ministered to by angels. Even the incarnate son of God needed the ministry of God's heavenly beings to support him and carry him through even in those challenges. And even us, even those of us who are part of the kingdom and citizens of the kingdom We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the grace of God that animates everything that we do that continues to help us to choose the ways of God. We have the right to be called children of God, sons of God. And we know that our Father is looking and saying, hey, you're my beloved sons in whom I am well pleased. And we have that promise, that label on our lives. We are living in the fullness of time. The Spirit is going to be poured out in great power here in Europe, here in London, anytime. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. Our question is, have we oriented our lives to the King? Are we living fully in the reality of this kingdom? Have you turned away from those worthless things in your life to turn to Jesus's lordship and leadership? And do you really believe that what Jesus said he's going to do, he's going to do? I tell you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that your kingdom is here. Thank you that you have made us citizens of that kingdom. Thank you that you have lavished on us your love in your son Jesus Christ. Lord, we cry out for that outpouring of your Holy Spirit so that your kingdom might be manifested again in all its fullness so that All things in heaven and on earth might be united again in your son Jesus in a way that people see the reality of Jesus and they respond by surrendering their lives to Jesus and becoming part of your loving rulership.